0: Hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Paula. And I'm your host, Cynthia. And we are Dolls, Dolls and Doom.
1: So I heard you have a really freaky story. Girl, this, one, this one's pretty, pretty wild. Okay. Yeah, are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Well, I remember as a kid, One of the first scary stories that anyone ever told me that really scared me was about a family who left their home and when they returned, something just felt off. They constantly felt like they were being watched even in the safety of their own home. They would hear strange noises that seemed to have no cause and these far off footsteps that they could never pinpoint the origin of. After weeks, and then months of these strange sensations, that they were never alone, they discovered that a man had been living in their attic and had been watching them as they slept, when they woke up, when they undressed, when they showered, watching them in their most intimate moments in their own home.
0: How do you ever feel safe in your own home
1: again? Girl, I don't think you would. How could you? I don't think I could. I've never felt safe after hearing this story. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's. To this day, the very idea sends shivers down my spine, and I must not be the only one who's totally creeped out by this thought, as there are many, many, many books, movies, TV shows, and urban legends that are all adaptations of this same story. Someone uninvited taking up residence in your home unbeknownst to you. Well, Paula, it is not just a scary story. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Danny LaPlante, and girl, hold on to your pumpkin spice because it is going to be a ride. Cynthia, yes. you know I hate pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong with you. I know. Daniel J. LaPlante was born May 16, 1970 in Townsend, Massachusetts, and was raised primarily by his mother and stepfather. Unfortunately, and I mean it when I say this breaks my heart, little Danny had a pretty rough childhood, suffering sexual, psychological, and physical abuse by many of the adults whose job it was to protect him, beginning with his very own father. In his elementary years, Danny was diagnosed with dyslexia, which caused him to really struggle in school. And because of the unstable home environment and not really having anybody to have his back and keep him safe and teach him how to behave... Danny was a pretty strange kid. And we all know what happens to strange kids in elementary school. Sadly, they often get bullied. I hate meanness. I hate it. To be mean to any creature, let alone a little kid whose life is already a living hell, is just one of the worst things in the world, in my opinion. And I wish I could go back in time to this little boy and help him I wish anyone had helped him as he ultimately developed a personality disorder and exhibited hyperactive behavior. So as a teenager, he was referred to a psychiatrist. In addition to his abnormal behavior, he also had a very noticeable lack of hygiene that really affected his appearance. So he sent to the psychiatrist, someone who's finally going to help him out, right? Wrong. Even the psychiatrist abused Danny. Danny was both sexually harassed by the doctor and also mocked and treated in an insensitive manner. This poor kid never had a chance. I know, I know. It just, ugh, makes me so sad. So now his already weird behavior turns criminal when he starts breaking into nearby homes and stealing items. But unfortunately, the burglary itself isn't the most disturbing part of what he did. You see, after all these years of abuse and being mistreated, Danny really enjoyed playing mind games with people. So in addition to stealing the items of value, he would also go around these houses he broke into and move items around, leaving them in different places than he found them, in an effort to freak out the residents while not making it completely obvious someone had been inside uninvited. In 1986, 16 year old Danny somehow came across a phone number that at the time he believed belonged to one of his previous burglary victims. He thought it would be fun to start making phone calls to these people in an effort to scare them even more. But when he called the first time, he learned that it was actually the number to the home of a family of three, Brian Andrews and his two teenage daughters, Annie and Jessica. So Danny called them up pretending to live in the neighborhood and claimed that a friend of the girls had given him their number and the three of them start this phone friendship. But what the girls don't know is that Danny actually starts stalking them. Over time, Danny keeps calling the girls, specifically Annie, and he describes himself as a good-looking, normal teenage guy and he eventually asks her to go out on a date with him. Now millennials today probably cannot imagine going out on a date with someone without at least knowing what they look like, but I'm 38 years old, and social media was not a thing when I was a teenager. So there was no way to just pull up someone's Instagram and decide if you were attracted to them or not. I distinctly remember being 15 years old and talking on the phone to this guy Steven every night. I'd never met him in person or seen his photo, but he was a friend of a friend, And somehow we exchanged numbers and I remember talking to him and really loving his personality and his sense of humor. I felt like we had this connection and I remember really liking him. But I also remember just hoping that when I finally met him in person, I would think he was cute. And I remember we even talked about it. He was actually hoping the same thing about me. And for the record, we did meet up, he was cute. We dated, and now we're both married to other people, but have remained Facebook friends. So, it all worked out. And that would have been, like, 1997. Yeah, I remember that, too. Zero
0: social media, talking on the phone on a landline, so you could only do so from home.
1: Right. And then there was also chat rooms. Do you remember chat rooms? Yes, I do. (laughs) Totally creepy. You'd go in, you'd start talking to a perfect stranger. They would tell you who they were. They'd ask to meet up with you. You had no... I mean, oh, it's so scary now thinking back. Yeah. Annie and Danny were talking in 1986. So much like when I was 15, Annie only had her phone conversations with Danny to decide if she liked him. Now, remember I mentioned earlier that Danny did not practice good personal hygiene? I hope everyone can agree that being physically attractive in the scheme of things really isn't the most important trait in a romantic partner. However, being clean and smelling fresh and taking care of your body, cleaning your teeth, that stuff is pretty important. At least for me, if I'm going to date someone. Well, apparently Annie thought that was pretty important also. So she knew upon laying eyes on him that it was not going to be a love connection. But she was a sweet girl and she did agree to go have ice cream with him on this particular night, but she let him know that she would not be going out with him again, and one of the reasons that she gave him for not wanting to pursue any further relationship was that her mother had just passed away from cancer just a couple months prior. Now, this really piqued Danny's interest. He wanted to hear all about Annie's mother's illness, how she had died, and... I'm just going to guess that perhaps that could have been a little off-putting to Annie also. It's one thing to be supportive and want to be a shoulder for someone, or a listening ear for someone who is grieving, but just knowing the kind of life Danny had up until that point, and knowing what he's about to do next, something tells me he probably didn't come across as empathetic, and it was probably more a little creepy.
0: Yeah, if someone is interested in the most devastating parts of your life, that's not a good sign. Not like, tell me all the dirty details. Right, it's one thing to be like, I'm here if you want to talk about it, but then to be like, ooh, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. With like creepy
1: interest, that's, that's a red flag. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a strange, a strange situation. Well, Danny decides he's not going to let Annie's disinterest in him stop him from seeing her. So one day, when Brian and his daughters were away... Danny snuck into the Andrews' home. He did his usual thing. He looked all around the house, opening the drawers and cabinets, searching through the family's most private possessions, and while he was making himself at home, he found something that he regarded as a great opportunity, a crawl space. And this is when Danny did one of the most bizarre, creepy things I can imagine a person doing. He climbed into the crawl space and decided he was not leaving. Danny was now living inside Annie and Jessica's walls. So we know he loves playing mind games. He loved the idea of scaring his victims. So just living inside their walls and spying on the girls wasn't enough. He decided he wanted to take it to the next level. So when he found the girls alone in their rooms, he would tap or scratch the walls he'd make strange noises, all in an effort to freak them out. When the Andrew's family would leave the house, he would enter the main living space and move things around and write cryptic messages on the walls. At one point, he even had the girls believing that their mother's spirit was still in the home and that she was the one making these strange noises and moving things around. Danny continued to live inside the crawl space torturing Annie and Jessica for two months. It got so bad that the girls performed a seance in an attempt to contact their mother and they told their father they believed the house was haunted. Now Brian of course was dealing with his own grief having just lost his wife and he kind of brushed this all off as his daughters still struggling with the loss of their mother and he thought this was just their way of coping with their grief. Well for two months whenever the Andrews left their home Danny would climb through the crawl space into the living area of the home. He would wear their clothing, use their personal care items, sit on their furniture, and lay in their beds. But then one day, Brian came home a little earlier than normal, and he heard some strange noises coming from Annie's room. He went to investigate, and when he did, he saw what at first appeared to be a woman in a dress holding something long in her hand. As his eyes adjusted to what he was seeing, he realized it wasn't a woman at all, but a young man wearing one of his deceased wife's dresses and her makeup, wearing a blonde wig, and holding a hatchet. It was Danny. Upon being discovered, Danny charged at Brian and attempted to kill him with the hatchet, but thankfully, Brian was able to fight him off. The struggle, however, left Brian pretty disoriented, and he couldn't keep track of Danny as he escaped back into the crawl space. When police came to the house, they did a thorough search and finally found Danny in his hiding spot in the walls. Danny was charged and placed in a juvenile facility where he stayed for about a year. When he was released in October of 1987, he immediately returned to his life of crime and went right back to burglarizing homes, this time, stealing two handguns from a neighbor. On December 1, 1987, only two months after being released, 17-year-old Danny snuck inside the home of Andrew and Priscilla Gustafson. Priscilla was a 33-year-old preschool teacher. The house was empty when Danny first entered, probably with the intention of burglarizing the home, but tragically, Priscilla and her two young children came home while Danny was still in their house. Danny tied pregnant Priscilla to her bed and raped her, and then shot her multiple times at point-blank range. He left her face down on her bed before presumably making his way to the children. William, who was only five years old, was found face down in the tub in the upstairs bathroom, and Abigail, who was seven, was found face down in the downstairs bathroom tub. The official cause of both deaths was drowning, but Abigail also suffered blunt trauma to the head and compression to the neck. Priscilla, Abigail, and William's bodies remained in their home until Priscilla's husband, Andrew, came home from work and discovered them. That poor man. Oh, I cannot imagine. Immediately after leaving the Gustafson home, Danny attempted to kidnap a woman in her car but thankfully she was able to escape. Police began a large manhunt, well aware that they were obviously dealing with a monster, and they found Danny two days later hiding in a dumpster. He was immediately arrested. He still had one of Abigail Gustafson's hair on his sock. Thank God for DNA. Oh my goodness, thank God. In 1988, Danny was sentenced to three life sentences. However, on March 17, 2017, a resentencing hearing was held where now 46-year-old Danny LaPlante asked for a reduction in his sentence. His attorneys argued that during his first appeal, previous court rulings were cited saying that juveniles convicted of murder should be given an opportunity to re-engage with society. They also brought up the abuse Danny suffered as a child and stated that he had been a model prisoner. Now, from the research I've done, that model prisoner description is up for debate. There are actually several reports that state that while in prison, Danny actually spent a lot of his time blaming the courts for violating his religious rights.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, what religion says it's okay to steal, rape, and murder, besides Scientology?
1: (laughs) Not mine, girl. (laughs) During this 2017 re-sentencing hearing, Danny made a statement saying, quote, Words cannot fully capture what I have done. I murdered three innocent people. Because of me, a five-year-old boy will never turn six. There's a seven-year-old girl that will never turn eight. Because of me, a woman will never be able to give birth to her third child. I robbed an unborn child of his first breath. A husband was never able again to hear from his family, I love you. I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm I have caused. From the very essence of who I am, from the depth of my soul, I am sorry. End quote. Priscilla's family doesn't want Danny to ever be released. Her sister Christine said of this hearing, quote, It's reliving the murders all over again. It's life changing again. End quote. The judge re sentenced LePlant the maximum penalty of forty five years, stating that Quote, Mr. LaPlante has not been rehabilitated, end quote. After a forensic psychiatrist evaluated LaPlante and found him not remorseful for his crimes, stating he was a man with no evidence of emotion, no feelings. In March 2019, Danny LaPlante petitioned the court for early parole again, and again it was denied. Good, he needs to rot in prison. Ugh, I don't ever want this guy on the loose, ever. Now I do just wanna go back for a minute and make one thing perfectly clear. Some people might say that I was a little too sympathetic to Danny at the top of the episode when I was talking about his childhood because of the monster he ultimately became. But I wanna make it clear, I have no sympathy whatsoever for the stalker, the rapist, the murderer who committed these crimes. I do, however, feel a lot of sympathy for the innocent little boy who was mistreated and abused, and exposed to things no child should ever have to experience. And I do feel like that little boy never caught a break. But I'm a big believer we all make our choices. We all experience bad things in this life, some definitely worse than others. But I believe we all get to choose how we're going to deal with it. Danny chose to follow the same pattern he'd been exposed to. By leaving a trail of pain and devastation everywhere he went and for that he is a monster he made those choices but Danny as a little boy my heart really does break for him
0: I completely agree I really believe that if he had a better upbringing or at least one or two people to reach out and say here let me help you to get over your traumas
1: of your childhood he might have turned out differently probably I mean that's like the big question like we you know most of these killers, you know, most of these really, really bad people that we hear about, they all have these really, not all of them, but most of them come from really traumatic childhoods. And, yes. You know, it's just, it's really, I don't know, it's just really sad. And it's a really big reason why you got to protect your kids, people. Protect your children. Yes. Protect your children. Agreed. Well, that's the story of Danny LaPlant. That's a crazy one, but really good story. It's pretty creepy, right? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, On a lighter note, guess what's coming up? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, my favorite meal of the year. But Thanksgiving has a bit of a dark side, doesn't it? It does. It's actually the most dangerous holiday. I know, and it seems like
0: it wouldn't be, but it is. I have a list of eight things that make Thanksgiving one of the most dangerous holidays of the year. All right. Tell me more. All right. So number one, car accidents. Mmm. You know, that makes sense. People are drinking alcohol and then getting in their cars. Oh my gosh. Yes. For sure. Number two, heart attacks. Really? Yeah. Uh, There's an increased risk four times in two hours after a heavy meal. Okay, so that makes sense. You've got all that extra cholesterol hardening your arteries. Jeez, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Number three is fire. Cooking fires, deep frying, and unattended ovens. Okay, that makes total sense.
1: Yeah. Now, I've never had a deep fried turkey. I have heard they are amazing, but I've also heard that they are a huge, huge safety hazard.
0: Same, same. I've never had one either, but I've also heard on the news
1: frying turkey disasters. Yes, for sure. I'm scared to do it, but man, I wanna taste one. (laughs) So if anybody wants to send a little fried turkey our way, (laughs) we'll take it. And number four is food poisoning. Okay, all right.
0: Cooking poultry might not cook it for the right amount of time, especially if it's your first time cooking it. (laughs) Yes. So just make sure you cook everything for the correct amount of time. Yes, that makes sense, yes. Number five, dog bites. Okay. nervous pets. You've got more people in your house than they're used to. Okay. Someone tries to reach out and pet them or maybe they're you know the people are too loud the animal gets scared and they just bite. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Okay so far these are all these are all making sense.
0: Yeah they're they're making sense. I can see it. Number six trips and falls. Overcrowded homes.
1: Okay yes.
0: Maybe it's your first time to your cousin's house you don't know the layout very well. You know, just take your time, watch where you're going. Yeah, for sure. Number seven, food allergies. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: You don't know that somebody put a secret ingredient in right. one of the main dishes.
0: Yeah, you don't know that, you know, your Aunt Sophie likes to put peanuts in the stuffing, but you're allergic and she
1: didn't tell you. You yes, know. that makes sense. Also, I wonder if anybody puts peanuts in their stuffing. Please let us know if you put peanuts in your stuffing. <laughs> and, and let your family know what you're allergic to before they, yes, sure. before they cook things. Excuse me. Are there any peanuts in this stuffing?
0: <laughs> okay. And number eight, I've added this one myself just because it's very relevant. COVID. Ah, yes. A lot of people gathering. You don't know where the rest of your family's been the last two or three weeks. For sure. So it's a very possible scenario. Yeah.
1: 2020 Thanksgiving. Yeah. Beware. Beware of everything.
0: <laughs> You're never safe. Be conscious of your surroundings. My mom used to say that to me all the
1: time. Uh, yeah, my mom. Yes. Yes, for sure. I also get the text. My mom only lives like 20 minutes away from me. But if I leave her house and I don't text her within 25 minutes to let her know I'm home, she's texting. Then she's calling. And if I don't answer within a, what she would consider to be a reasonable amount of time, she's driving over. You know if you ever go missing the quote will be from your mom i didn't hear from
0: her in 25 minutes so i knew something was wrong
1: i can tell you i will not be missing i will not have been missing for long by right. the time it's discovered
0: yeah they'll, they'll be asking your mom so how long she've gone oh 30 minutes yeah. you need to get out there and find my daughter
1: something is wrong i tell you yes yes moms yes for sure oh so do you have any thanksgiving stories um, I've never burnt a building down by deep frying turkeys, so that's good. But I do have, when I think of like the first Thanksgiving that I ever hosted, because I'm I'm like the one who hosts now. I love it. Um I love trying to make everything look like a magazine and stuff. And of course, it's never quite right, but you know, I I'm, I try. But the first year that I ever attempted to host Thanksgiving, I was hosting my husband's family, my family, my ex-husband's family, some friends from church, like it was a big deal. And I'd been up since like 4 a.m. trying to cook, you know, cooking the turkey and all of that. I'd clean the house, I'd, you know, set the table. The table was beautiful and just, you know, I was putting so much pressure on myself to make this perfect. Of course. I asked my husband if he would just run the vacuum cleaner for me really quick just to, you know, take care of any last-minute messes. Yeah, sure. And next thing I know, he has the vacuum cleaner laying on the already set dining room table. He's taking it apart, sending dog hair and dust lying no. everywhere all over my dining room, <laughs> oh. which, you know, I've got... The, oh, I was so mad. I think I ended up in tears over that. And, of course, he couldn't understand... Like, why is Cynthia acting like a crazy person? Of you course. Of and course. bless his heart, he was trying. Yeah. You know, he didn't mean to do anything that, you know, would send me off the deep end. But right. Oh, boy. So that's that's kind of like, so far, knock on wood, <laughs> the the biggest scandal. And then there was the one year, I think it was probably the next year that, like, I think it was the next year I just got a late start on everything. And by the time everybody arrived, the turkey still needed, like, another hour and a half half the sides weren't made. I think I was a couple weeks postpartum and I just remember crying and my parents coming and trying to, you know, hug me and make me, it's going to be okay. And the more they tried, the more I cried. And it was just, you know, but I'm going to blame that one on the hormones. There you go. (laughs) It can be a very
0: stressful thing, especially when you've got more than just one family coming over.
1: Yeah, for sure. You put, you know, at least I put a lot of pressure on myself and nobody cares. Nobody cares if you have a beautiful centerpiece. Right. You're the only person who cares. Right. So as long as the you know, that's not what it's about. Right. Now I just start drinking mimosas first thing in the morning. And a girl. You know, apple cider mimosas. That's my Thanksgiving jam. And I love it. Yeah. How about you? Anything funny or not, scary
0: or <laughs> sad? Not really. I worked at Disney, so for the next ten years at least, I worked all the holidays. Right and by the time I had some people over, it was just a couple people, and thankfully, somehow, maybe it was a miracle, I don't know, but it all turned out great.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of boring that way. Or just blessed. Or just lucky,
1: I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of Disney, you were very close friends, if you could see, I'm using finger Finger quotations, (laughs) very close friends with chip and dale right that is a fact a couple of my favorite chipmunks so you worked very closely with them i bet that was fun Yeah, yep yeah, it was we could probably do a whole episode on scary stories about <laughs> those days we probably could but i probably shouldn't <laughs> probably not we hope you all have a great thanksgiving Gosh, we're so excited. We're so honored that you've been tuning in. You can listen to us on pretty much all of the platforms. And you can really help us out if you like and subscribe. Rate us, but only if you have something nice to say. (laughs) If you don't, then, you know, just skip over that part. Like and follow us on Facebook. That's where we put um, coordinating photos each week. You'll see the photos that go along with the case. So I'll show you you know, what Danny LaPlante looks like and maybe a picture of that crawl space, some other creepy things that that goes along with this case. I'm Cynthia. And I'm Paula. And we are Dolls Dolls and Doom. Doom. Check us out next week. Bye. Bye.